Oh my gosh, what a week. I, yeah, you guys laugh because some of you know. Uh, I have been, uh, I wrote the sermon three times this week. And the first two times I was so bored with it that I couldn't bring it to you because I was falling asleep and I was like, oh, this is so boring. Because it's a story that I am so familiar with. How many of you guys have ever heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den? Most of you, right? If you grew up in church, you've probably heard the story over and over and over again. Everybody's familiar with Daniel and the lion's den that's grown up in the church. And so I was, man, I was struggling this week because I was just, I was bored with myself. And usually that doesn't happen when I talk, but I was just like, I can't do this to them. You know, if I'm falling asleep, they're falling asleep. But then I was like, we could do like a communal nap time, you know, and... And that wouldn't be bad because that's from the Lord. But, you know, I was like, eh, I probably shouldn't do that. Uh, that would be the beginning and the end of the time that I got to preach. Um, so what, what I also thought about is I was like, maybe there's somebody in this room that's also never heard this story. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually read the story all the way through so you guys can stay seated. Um, and so I'm going to actually read the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And so here we go. It's in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 28. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get through this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, and official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With his windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying, asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to you, anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. I love that over and over again. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. And in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. 
And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den with their wives and children, and the lions leapt leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. And I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom will tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's such a long one, but it's such a great story. But the thing about it is, is I love stories. I don't know about you guys, but like I need stories in order to learn. I need stories to stay engaged because I've got about a five minute attention span. So I need people to kind of get me back in. That's my life. And so I thought about this story and I was like, well, everybody tells the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Like we're pretty familiar with this. You know, this is a book and, you know, Daniel's just like with the lions. They're like, you know, just chilling around him because, of course, that's what happened. You know, and and we thought, OK, this is a great story. But I've heard the story so many times I get bored. You know what I'm saying? I've got five minutes. So I've written my own book and we're going to be calling it Darius's Big Dilemma. You're welcome. This is coming soon, published 2018. Yeah, right? Oh, we could do this. We could make some money. This is our next youth fundraiser right now, Stuart. Darius's big dilemma. Because I was like, man, I I looked at this story, and I'll be honest with you, I had no idea who Darius was at the beginning. How many of you guys don't know who Darius is, don't really know about anything about him except he was a king? You know, like most of you, yeah, Ah, come on. I know it's not just me, all right? You guys are afraid, like, oh, I can't tell them. No, I didn't know. You know, I knew he was a king, and he was in there somewhere in the Bible. You know, I knew that. But, like, I didn't know anything about this guy. And the funny thing is, is half this story is about Darius, but he really gets looked over because, I mean, even our Bibles are like, it's about Daniel. It's all about Daniel. And I was like, but what about Darius? So that's the story we're going to tell today because that's not boring. I mean, we know about Darius. So let's take a look at Darius real quick. So, uh, just to recap, in case you weren't here last week, so chapter 5, all of a sudden we have the writing on the wall that happens, so God writes on the wall, basically tells uh, King Belshazzar that, okay, your your days are ending, there's going to be someone that's going to overtake your kingdom, and so that's exactly what happens. So that night, all of a sudden, the Medes and the Persians come in, take over the Babylonian Empire, and bing, bang, boom, Darius is now king. 
So now we have this 63-year-old king, and he's a good king as far as we can tell. As, and how many of you guys are type A administrator types? This is your guy right here, okay? This is your man, because one of the first things that Darius does is he starts to organize everything. You know, he's like, okay, I need 120 people over here, and you're going to do this, and then you're going to be over them. And so we have this, like, very type A administrative type king that's like, okay, we're going to put everything in order, we're going to make it happen. And, and so he does. And so, uh, verse two, it says, uh, the king chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the interest of the king. So he chose Daniel above everyone else. And let's remember for a second, Daniel chapter one, what happened? Jerusalem gets overtaken. And Daniel, he's not there because he wants to be there necessarily. Daniel is actually a captive. Of those kingdoms. I think sometimes we forget that. Daniel is actually kind of a prisoner at this point. So even though he gets elevated to all these different statuses, he's a prisoner. I mean, this is, it's like a, a voluntold, you know, like you have the opportunity to serve me. You know what I mean? I do that all the time to the youth. We have the opportunity to clean the toilets today. You know, like it is, yeah, parents do it too. Don't, don't look at me like that. You guys do it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are judging me. I see you. But, but you know, it's, it's this kind of voluntold position is what Daniel has. But the great thing about Daniel, and to his credit, every place that he has been voluntold, he does it to his absolute best ability. And so he is one of those guys that he's like, this is the guy that is doing it better than everybody else. So even though Judea had been overtaken by the Babylonian Empire, and he was trained up to be in these positions, he's still doing it to the best of his ability. Like he's still going into those places and saying, I am going to do this and do it well. And if you notice, it says it's going to protect the king's interests. I don't know about you, but if someone had taken over my empire and then that person had taken over their empire, my first thing wouldn't be to like take care of their interests. You know, my, my first, you know, inclination would be like, I don't really want to do this right now. You know? But Daniel wasn't like that. He was such a man of integrity that when he was put in a position, he did it to the best of his ability and with integrity. That's who Daniel was. And that's why Darius loved him. Because think about it. Even when he set up his entire government, he brought people in with him. He had his people. So there was Persians and there was Medes and there was all these people that like probably rose to the ranks and should be in those positions. And then here's this captive that was taken from Judea And he is rising above everybody. I think I'd be a little like, "Mm," you know, if I were the other people. And they were. And so a lot of jealousy rose up among all of these other leaders because they're like, how could you raise a captive among all of us? How is he the one that you're going to do it? So jealousy rises and all these things are happening. And they go to King Darius and they were like, okay, we need to get rid of Daniel. And he's such a good guy that we can't do it the normal way. So what we're going to do is we're going to attack his faith. Because that is how we're going to get him. So they go to King Darius and they're like, long live the king. You know, like do it. Like kind of buttered. I totally see this in my They butter him up for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You are so great. This is, you know, you're wonderful. You know, because he just, remember, he's the conqueror. So he's probably thinking a lot of himself at this point. You know, so Darius is probably walking around, you know, like, I am the conqueror. He's probably singing to himself. You know, like he, I see these things in my head. You know, and he's pretty excited about this. And so they know exactly, okay, we're going to go, we're going to butter him up, and then we're going to have him create a law. And that's exactly what they did. 
So they go to him in verse uh, 7, and it says, For the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you will be thrown into the den of lions. And so they say, okay, this is how we're going to eat. And of course, it's easy. Somebody that's already so excited about themselves, it's not hard to get them to, you know, take some accolades. You know what I'm saying? You know, like if, I'd, I'd feel a little weird about it, but if somebody came up to me and was like, for 30 days, the youth are only going to say wonderful, nice things about you. I'm not going to be like, no, no, please don't. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to say no about something like that. You know, and so he's probably thinking, this is a great idea. You know, like everybody's going to love me and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the king and I'm going to be the guy, you know. And so it was only for 30 days. So he's probably thinking, that's very humble. It's not a year or anything. It's 30 days. You know, <laughs> again, what I say in my head. So, you know, he's got this, this, this thing that they come and, and he can't think of a bad reason why this would, you know, why this wouldn't be a good idea. Well, of course, and he was trying to unite an empire, so what's a better way to unite an empire than to have everybody look to you as their savior? Savior. I mean, that is a great way to do it. It's very clever. So, of course, he signed the decree. And so once something goes in law, if you hadn't caught it the five million times they say it, you know, the law of the Persians and the Medes, which cannot be revoked, you know, once something gets signed into law, that's it. That's, it's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Once it's signed into law, it happens. And so then they were like, great. So they get it signed and then they run, you know, they run over to Daniel's house. And Daniel's doing what he always does. He prays three times a day and he goes to his window and he looks towards Jerusalem and he prays and thanks God for the things that he has done. And so he continues to do that. He knew this law had been signed. That's not going to change how he lives. So he heads on over there and he's praying because this is what he does. This is the most important thing to Daniel is to pray and to connect with God. And so he does not, I mean, there's nothing that's going to change that for him. So he's going over there and he's connecting with God and he's praying and they see him and they're like, ha ha, we gotcha. You know, and so then they, they run back over, you know, to King Darius and then, of course, they remind me, how many of you guys have kids that do this? You remember when you said, you remember that? You know, you all know. You know, remember when you said this? That's exactly what they do. They say, long live King Darius. And they're like, remember when you signed that thing? And he's like, yes, I remember when I signed that law not too long ago. You know, that it cannot be re- revoked, the king, you know, the thing and the whole deal. And they're like, yeah, I remember that. And then they're like, well, Daniel, the captive, just broke your law. And see, to Darius's credit, I will say the earlier kings, like one had to go mad for like seven years before he knew who God was. Another one got overtaken. I mean, Darius, <laughs> there's some bad things that happened in the earlier chapters. Darius, instead of being one of those kings that's like, kill him, he, he won't look at me like the king, he won't think that I'm the God, is he actually feels deep anguish over what has just happened. Very different than some of the earlier kings. He was deeply troubled by the fact that Daniel was now going to be sacrificed to the lions. And he knew, how many of you guys have that moment of just fear? You know, like you, you made a decision based on all of the information you had and you thought, man, this is the best decision. You know, like you've gathered information, you're like, this is what we're going to do. And then you make a decision and almost immediately as you begin to see that decision kind of play out, you're like, oh no, <laughs> what did I do? I do it all the time, you know? Set an alarm for 8 o'clock. Why did I do that? You know, it's not a good idea. There are things that are uh, real. There are things in our life that we do and we think it's a great idea and then we do it and, and it turns out to be something that's, that's actually very harmful to someone. 
And we, we feel deeply troubled, and so did Darius. He's just a human. I mean, he's a king, but he's just a human, and he feels super troubled by what has just happened because he knows it is his decision and his decree that's causing this for Daniel. And it says this, verse 14, the king was deeply t- troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. So he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Here is the king that's just overtaken the entire empire. And he finds himself trapped by his own laws. He was so upset that he spent the entire day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this. That's how much he cared. That's how much this bothered him. I know that when I do something wrong, if I look at that and I was like, this is wrong, I will do everything that I can to try to fix that. You know, I'm, I'm much a doer. Like, what can I do? You know, can I fix it this way? Can, and I try to, to do everything I can. I scramble and, 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 you get to a point like he did where sometimes you just can't fix the thing that you did. You just can't fix it. And so what he did is, is once Daniel uh, has been pretty much just saying, okay, there's nothing I can do for you. That night comes in verse 16. It says, so at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Because remember, he realized, I can't do that for you. I can't save you. And the stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own seal so that no one could rescue Daniel. And it's interesting, I always read these passages and it's like, no one can rescue Daniel, nothing's going to happen, and I just keep thinking, because we know the end of the story, it's not as fun for us, you know, because we know, oh, they get out, uh, you know, but at this point, they had no idea, you know, like he didn't know, he, at this point, is thinking that he just killed his friend. Now, I've never had that experience myself, thank goodness, but I can't imagine what it would feel like that something that you have done has caused the death of someone that you've cared about. That is his feeling. That's the thing that's going on with Darius right now. He has basically just said to him, you are about to die. And he just, and he himself, he has to put his seal on that thing so that nobody can open that stone. And that's what he did. And let's get rid of this picture of like those happy lions from earlier. Let's look at like the real picture. This, no, it's real, right? This is legit. This is actually what a lion looks like, okay? So when we're talking about Daniel and the lion's den, you know, the other ones are they're like grooming themselves and like lounging. That's not what was going on here. Daniel was about to be ripped apart, as we saw later in the story with somebody else, ripped apart by lions that are intentionally placed in a pit just for that reason. They're really weird back in the day. Like, you know, we two two chapters ago, they're like burning people in a furnace, you know what I mean? Like that was pretty harsh. Now we're putting people in a lion's den. Like, you know, they're real they're real about their punishments, okay? There's not like they're not halfway doing these things. If they're gonna if you're punishing, you're punishing, you know what I'm saying? And so here's the lions that they're going into. So this is right here, this is what he has like thrown Daniel into. Basically he's just saying, There you go. And I don't know if you guys have had any experience of just like being afraid. Like I'm not afraid of snakes or like the usual things, but I would be super afraid of this. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's pretty normal. I can't imagine what, it doesn't say what Daniel was feeling, but all I could think of is I was like, what was Daniel thinking? Here we have Darius who I'm sure that they have some kind of relationship and bond. 
who has betrayed him, essentially, even unintentionally. And he's about to going into this. Like, what was he thinking about? Like, I always wonder that, you know, because I've, I've heard of like martyr stories, like people who die for the faith and they have such peace at the end. So I don't know what, what Daniel was thinking, but, but he's about to enter into this. And then Darius, after he had actually walked Daniel all the way down, sealed his death, he goes back and it says the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. And he refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Have you guys ever had a night like that where you just cannot sleep? Like something's going on that is just, it's just wrenching your soul. You know, someone has just got a diagnosis. Something just happened in your family. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got bad news at work. Whatever it is, have you had a night of just torment? Because that's what's happening right now. Darius is in his like dark night of the soul. He's in this night of torment. He can't sleep. He can't do anything else except wrestle with what has just been done. And I don't, you know, I don't know all of your stories and I don't know what's happened to you, but I was thinking, you know, what recently kind of put me in, in kind of this angst. And I had this story from this last week actually, because I was trying to find a story to put in. I couldn't think of anything and then it happened this last week. So, um, so as a good American citizen that votes, every now and again I'll receive one of these. A jury summons. All of you are like, oh, I feel it. And to me, I like, I, you know, jury summons, it's, it's not that bad for me because I actually think I would like to do it. I would like to give someone a fair shake um, and, and be on a jury. I wouldn't mind it at all. But how this works in Fresno, if you're not familiar with this, and if you're about to start this, you're welcome. I'm about to share some things with you. Uh, is that, you know, you call in or you go in, depending on how they want you to do it, and then you see if they need you. So this guy was like, okay, call this number and you can, you can go in and, um, and then, you know, they'll tell you if you have to do it. So on, on Sunday night, five o'clock, I call and I'm like, okay, you know, here's my badge number, my pen number. And they said, you don't have to come in. And I was like, woohoo, you know, like, I get to work on Monday. Uh, and so, I, I'm that excited. And, uh, you know, and so I work on Monday and I, and I do all these things and I was like, okay, you know, what about tomorrow? So you have to wait till five o'clock. It's like expectation, you know, wait till five. And so you wait till five o'clock and then you have to call again. And so five o'clock, you know, six thirty, whatever, you know, I, I call again and they're like, no, you're good. You know, and so it's like call again the next day at five. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll call again the next day at five. And so this goes on and goes on all week as you call and then you get off and whatever, whatever. And so, you know, I did youth group and I was preparing for my sermon and uh, I went to the eye doctor and I did all these different things this week and I got super busy. And then Deb, my friend was like, hey, how's the sermon going? I was like, oh, the sermon's going great. I finally figured out what I'm going to talk about. I think it's going to be awesome. And then she was like, how was jury duty? And then I got the instant panics because I realized (laughs) this is an actual picture of Friday. I forgot to call on Thursday. You feel it? I live with the Freeze family. Dave's a cop, all right? I'm walking around the house like, you know, warrant. I just dropped. Because at this point, it's like Friday afternoon, late, like early evening. There is nothing I can do. There is nothing, and I'm just, I'm just like petrified. I'm like red, I'm sweating, you know, like, just creeping around my house, you know, like, 
I've not felt fear like that in a while. Let me tell you. And I was like, what am I going to do? I was like, there, because there's nothing you can do. You can't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was writing a sermon, you know. It's <laughs> getting some glasses over at Dr. Chun's, you know. They don't care. And I was just, oh, my gosh. And I was too scared to call to see if we got called in. You know what I mean? Like, you, you call to see if they called you off or they called you in. I couldn't do it. So that entire night, I felt like King Darius. I was, like, preaching on this, and I was like, Darius, I feel you, my man. You know, and I'm just, like, tormented. Just like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to jail, you know. The next morning, Dave will have, like, donuts and handcuffs, you know. Like, that's, <laughs> these are the things I think of, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, like, the next morning, same thing. I got up early. And uh, I, I called the number, and sure enough, we'd been called in. And it's like, you have failed to appear. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, and, and I'm not a lawbreaker, okay? Like, I mean, I speed, and that's pretty much my, you know, that's what I do. But, you know, I don't know, confession time. Um, but I'm not a lawbreaker. So something like this really bothers me, you know? Like, I, I don't like to, to break the law. I don't like to do those things. And so... I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, uh, good. I mean, there's silver lining on this. I called in and I was able to postpone it until two weeks from now. So I'll be back on call. And I put like 10 reminders in my phone of different things. But, um, but, but I, I had that feeling. And sometimes we don't always experience the same things that other people do. You know, I didn't experience what Darius experienced. I haven't experienced a lot of the things that you have. But as people oftentimes, we can identify with one another of like, you know, I haven't experienced your situation, but I know that feeling. You know, I know kind of what you're going through because I've experienced this and I felt that before. And that empathy that we have for each other is really important for us to understand uh, the different things that people go through. Because even though I've never been in Darius's position, I really understand what he's saying. So Darius, he goes the very next morning, he did the same thing that I did. He gets up early. And he wants to know what happened. So he hurries out to the lion's den. He wants to know, you know, what has happened. Daniel, what's going on? You know, and I, I bet he was expecting the worst, like I was. Like, I got called. It actually happened. You know, but I bet he was expecting the worst thing to happen. You know, that he would find his friend dead, torn apart, eaten. That that was his expectation. But he had to know. And he goes in there and they open the thing, and this is the most important part of the whole story right here. He says, was your God able to rescue you? This, and I'd miss this every other time I've ever read this. But on this time, I, I really kind of focused in on it because I was like, this is the whole point of the story. Was your God able to rescue you? Because also what he's asking is, was your God able to rescue me? Was your God able to get me out of the thing that I just did? And remember, this is a guy that is a, a, a um, polytheist. So he, they believe in all these different gods and all these different things. You know, and, um, but he respected Daniel and his faith. And all he wanted to know was, was your God big enough to do the things that our gods were not able to do? Are you safe? Did God do something in your life? And the cool thing about it is, of course, all of us that have seen the end of this book, I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but here it is, the end of the story, is that Daniel comes out, verse 22, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. 
So we see this. Was your God able to rescue you and me? And Daniel can come out and say, my God did. And I think that sometimes we get uncomfortable. Like in the Bible, it talks about things like angels and demons and supernatural things. But the reality is that's part of our world. There's angels. Yeah. Get it, Sam. Amen. That God sends these supernatural things into our life, whether it's through his Holy Spirit, whether it's angels, whether it's whatever, that he sends supernatural things to engage in our lives all the time. And most of the time, I think that we miss it because it's not as dramatic as like not getting eaten by lions. You know what I mean? It could be as simple as all of a sudden you have something going on and you just feel a deep sense of peace or protection. Or a car accident that could have gone horribly wrong didn't. You were protected from something that you're like, that should have never happened. It happens all the time, but we're not used to thinking about it in the sense of like how God's working like this. Because we're a little bit uncomfortable because it's not something we can really see and feel the same way that we can do other things. But don't forget that God is using those things as well. Don't forget. Because it's just as important. So that angel had as much in this story as Daniel ever did because it shows the power and the presence of God in a way that Darius had never seen before. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. What a testimony to who God is. What a testimony to who God is. And then he he walks out in verse 23, not a scratch was found on him for he was trusted in his God. So between this miraculous thing that not only is he not harmed, but like he's not harmed at all. He's perfectly fine. And I love it because sometimes we forget that it's important to not just show people what God is doing in our lives. Amen. You guys, you can all do it too. It's, It's good for us to learn new things. But... But it's, it's important for people to see what God's doing in our lives, and it's important to say the things that God is doing in our lives. Because I'll tell you what, there's so many people that need to hear how God is working. There's so many people that are asking the question, will your God rescue me? Will you, God, take care of me? That's what they really want to know. Maybe that's what you want to know. Is God going to take care of me? Is he going to rescue me? Is he going to help me? Does he care about me? Does he see me? He does. He sees all of you. Whether you've been a Christian your entire life, or you have no idea who God is, or you have a lot of questions, go to Alpha. You're welcome, Stephen. (laughs) Whatever it is, is you need to be able to answer that question for people. Can God rescue you? Absolutely. Every time. And he uses people, and he uses angels, and he uses all these things. He uses everything that he has to rescue you. And protect you and to save you. And remember, it's not just because your life is easy. Because Daniel, he's still a captive. He's been a captive his entire life. He's in his 80s at this point. He's been a captive in a foreign land for his entire life. And he's still talking about how great God is and how wonderful he is and what he's doing in the world. So don't expect your life to be super easy, okay? Don't expect him to just take away all the struggles and... You know, you're just walking around with angels all the time, you know, because you need to go through things so that people can see what God does. But he will use all of those things to be a part of you. Now, the great part about the beginning of the story, remember, the thing that was supposed to cause the most harm, which was the decree of the Persians that could not be revoked, ended up being the thing 
that saved King Darius because it allowed him to experience who the God of Daniel was. And so at the very beginning, we see this decree that's supposed to really take down the Jewish people because it wasn't just Daniel. If any, if anyone had been praying towards Jerusalem at that point, if anyone had been practicing their faith, not just Daniel, they would have been thrown into the lion's den as well. So it was a whole group of people that that would have happened to. Not just Daniel. And so instead of this decree that was supposed to pretty much destroy this captive nation, what ended up happening was God used that to create another decree that was supposed to go out to get this, the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. What an incredible thing. So now Darius is sending this decree out to his entire empire. And it says around the world, throughout the world. And this is what he says. That everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. Can you think of a more powerful testimony? Here is this pagan king that is now sending throughout his entire government, his entire nation, who the God of Daniel is. Sometimes we look at our surrounding circumstances and all we can think of is, I don't see God. I don't know the ways that he works, but he works in miraculous ways. He used this entire thing, this thing that was meant for evil. And he turned it into something that allowed an entire kingdom to hear about who he was. That is the God that we serve. Will my God rescue you? Absolutely. And that's just one thing he did. I mean, we got a whole bunch more. I mean, this is, I mean, oh, I'm at time, but, but man, that, I mean, that was just one chapter, you know? If you guys want to stay for the next, you know, couple years, maybe we could get through some more. But that's just one story of who my God is. Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Pretty great. And I don't have time because I am at time, but I want us to look at this one thing is, is we need to get people from this mentality like Darius where he started with, I am God. And it doesn't always m- mean that he believes that he's a deity, but there's people in our world and even ourselves that put ourselves in the place of God. We put ourselves where only God should be. We try to control everything. We try to control the circumstances around us. We try to control other people around us. We try to control all these different things. And the reality is we can't. And the really powerful things that happens in people's lives is when we go or the people around us go from I am God to looking at God of Daniel, our God, and say, you are God. Isn't that what the Great Commission is all about? Go and make disciples. Go tell people that there is a God that will rescue you. Go tell people that there is a God that loves you. I mean, the, the gospel's all over the Old Testament. Everybody was looking forward to what God was going to do. So be those kind of people. That's what I would love for this church, to be the church that looks to the people around us and says, hey, let me tell you about who my God is and how he has rescued me. It's a lot easier when you think of it that way instead of being like, I'm going to go evangelize. That sounds weird. And it is weird sometimes. 
Sometimes you guys get weird about it, okay? I'm just saying. But isn't it easier to tell your story and to say, let me tell you how God has rescued me. Let me tell you what he's doing in my life. A lot easier, isn't it? That's what he calls us to do. So let's pray real quick and then uh, and then you guys can can go. God, I just thank you that you are a God that rescues. God, I am so grateful that, God, that you do such powerful things. God, that you can take someone who uh, had no idea who you were, that wasn't even looking for you, that um, that just was kind of doing his own thing and change him around so that all he wanted was for people to know who you were. God, can you do that with this church? Can you do that with me? God, can you show us how we are the people that are saying, you are God, this is what you were doing. God, I pray that you would give us the strength and that you would give us the courage to be like Daniel, to be the kind of people that make friends with the people that need to know that they are not God and that you are God. So, God, I pray that you would just give us people in our lives right now, God, that there are people in our lives that we can just love on and share with them who God is. God, I just pray all of these things in your powerful name. In Jesus' name, amen.